Hey friends, are you in search of something special to set your portraits apart? If you are, I'm excited to share Willow Canvas with you. Willow Canvas is a mother-owned company that creates beautiful, hand-painted fine art backdrops. Willow Canvas offers a wide range of sizes to fit your space, whether you're traveling or in the studio. Each Willow Canvas is soft and neutral with a texture and tone that will complement your branding. Sarah, the artist behind Willow Canvas, is one of our favorites. She's so sweet and kind and dedicated to delivering personalized customer service with three ordering options, ready to ship, custom, or pre-order based on your chosen hues and textures. All of us at the Motherhood Anthology absolutely love Willow Canvas for its amazing customer service, beautiful colors, and exceptional quality. Discover the magic of Willow Canvas by heading over to their website at willowcanvasbackdrops.com, browse their beautiful galleries, and start creating the perfect backdrop for your photography. Find them on Instagram at willow underscore canvas or visit willowcanvasbackdrops.com and join their email list for a 10% discount on your purchase today. December is here. I can't believe it. Another year almost over. And now's the time that many of us business owners begin looking ahead to the next year and setting goals and a vision for what we want our businesses to achieve. Some of us love to create vision boards while others are more the pen and paper type. Writing down one's goals and then breaking the big goal apart into smaller goals. Either way, we all have hopes and dreams for our businesses that need to be set and laid out so that we can actually achieve them. Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. Kristen Sweeting is joining me on the podcast today to chat about all things vision casting, goal setting, and how to maintain our own self-care through it all. Kristen is a podcast host over at the Dangerous Creatives Podcast, a photography business owner, business coach, and lecturer at Belmont University. Kristen is sharing with us how to maintain mental strength and stamina while growing our photography businesses. Today, we're talking about raising prices, creating amazing client experiences, and finding a niche that's not already saturated. So now I present to you episode number 62 of the Motherhood Anthology Podcast. Where are you? you world traveler you <laughs> i'm in paris <laughs> are you serious yes, we're having oh. oh my goodness okay for those of you that for those that don't know you you're a regular here on the podcast we love chatting with you i want you to tell everybody maybe if they don't know you which i find it hard to believe i tell yeah. them a little bit about yourself and then let's get to how you're chatting with us from paris today yeah, exciting. So I'm Kristen Sweeting. I've been a photographer for over 14 years and I mostly do weddings, but honestly, I've done a lot of different things. I pivoted from commercial and music photography to wedding photography and then done other types of shoots too. And also am the host of the Dangerous Creatives podcast, which we've had these lovely ladies on as well. So just so excited to be here again, Kim. It's always really nice to talk to you. I know we, I think we need to give you a title, like a something in resident or residence or yeah. something like that. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> You're just so smart. You're just so smart. I love to chat with you. Oh my gosh. Well, so tell everyone what brings you to Paris. So this ties in with what we're talking today and talking about today, because I know we're talking about end of the year, next year and vision and things like that. And so I'm a big nerd. I love vision boards. I love manifesting. I love making kind of goal sheets and stuff like that. And one of mine for a while has been to do some world schooling, which is like homeschooling, but you incorporate travel and you experience based learning, which I'm so passionate about for adults, but also for kids. And I have an eight-year-old. So this year we have done a month, almost every quarter of the year in a different country. And we've combined education, homeschooling, working remotely, and this month we're in Paris and he we're like baking croissants together and learning about art in the Louvre and it it's it's a dream and so it's been really fun. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic. 
so you do study abroad is that what you call it for your yeah yeah for photographers and creatives as well right yes because I just think that we only what retain a tiny percentage of the stuff that we hear and take in every day. But when you're experiencing it in person and you're learning about things because you're right there doing it and having conversations around what you're learning for kids and for adults, it's it like absorbs so much faster. It really changes you as a person when you're learning as you're experiencing something. So I'm such a big advocate for that. And that's why we've done that with our coaching programs and why we've done it with study abroad. And now I'm doing it with my kid, which is so fun. (laughs) So how does he feel about it? Does he enjoy it? Is he like, oh, mom, I want to, does he, is he a homebody? Does he love to travel? Yeah, he, so he loves Paris. And so I'm like, he's my child because it's my favorite city. We did a month in, in Latin America this summer and he struggled with the heat and the language barrier. And so there were times where he was uncomfortable and like, that was not as fun, but I think that's part of it too. But yeah, he loves everything Paris, which is very cute. (laughs) So Kristen, I'm curious to know, did you travel as as a child or like, I just see, when I think of you, I think you're just so fearless. You just, you think about it, you want to do it, you do it. What Um, do you think? I'm always curious what instills that in someone? Is that something that you got from your parents? Do you feel like you were just wired that way? I, I was honestly kind of a shy kid. We did travel together some when I was a kid, but it was never something I enjoyed when we did it as a family. There were other reasons for that. But but in college, I was a music major. And my first year, I had an opportunity to do like a choir tour with the choir that I was in. And we went all through China. And so I was like flying. I was with other students, but we had this whole situation that happened where we got we like our flights got canceled and the professors were basically like figure out how to get home and so I'm like little 18 year old me trying to figure out how to get home from China and like tickets not working and all these things which was horrifying in the moment but looking back on different times where I traveled alone in my early adulthood like study abroad in college that choir trip some of the other things that I did I became a way more confident person I went from being super shy and scared of everything to being fearless. And I think that those experiences really did so much to help with that. Yeah. Again, just why I'm so such a fan of solo travel, educational travel, any kind of time you can get out of your comfort zone. I think it's so good for us. I've definitely seen it be so good for me in my journey too. Okay. So today I, I can't believe that we're I feel like we were just setting goals for the new year. And now I want to talk to you about wrapping up the year. I feel like this year just flew by. Did it fly Um, by for you too? It went so fast for me. Oh oh my gosh. I feel like I do think we did an episode, maybe the first of the year. And I was telling you that my word for the year, I think was um, brave because you're talking about travel and I'm thinking about that was my word because I am, I'm a little uh, afraid of travel and getting too far from my family and I know that's just so sad. No, I get it. (laughs) And I don't know how where that's come from in my old age, because I, I, as a young person, I was not that way. I think it maybe comes with having children and I don't know, but I was going to conquer that this year and I did not do that. (laughs) 2024, Kim, I'll I'll go, we'll go somewhere together. (laughs) Yeah, can we drive? Oh, that would be great. <laughs> Only plan. the beach. Only plan. Is the beach okay? <laughs> so now here we are at the end of the year. And I'm just curious, what are you thinking about as you wrap up a year business-wise, personally? What do you have rolling around in your head? Yeah. I told you I'm a nerd about this. So I tend to get a little overly ambitious with goals. Definitely this year, I'm feeling really peaceful ending the year. Like I feel really good about how the year wrapped up. I'm excited for next year. There's obviously things that didn't go as planned and that's okay. But I just love to look back and celebrate the things that did happen. I think especially when we push ourselves out of our comfort zone at all, it's worth celebrating. Even if it didn't turn out the way 
we wanted. I think it's easy to make a vision board and be like, I'm going to own a yacht by the end of this year or something. And (laughs) sometimes those things don't happen. But I think when we, when we can see in ourselves a way that we've grown or stepped out of our own comfort zones or done something we didn't think we were capable of, that's like a, like this time of year is such a good time to be like, oh my gosh, I did that. You started the podcast, Kim. Like what a brave thing to do. Yeah. I just think that it's so important to look back and remember how far we've come to you because it's so natural for us to just move on to the next thing. So do you have any practical, I don't think ritual is the right word, but do you, I'm going to spend a day by myself. I know people that go to a hotel and they spend a couple of days just looking back, looking forward. Do you do anything like that? Yeah, I actually do. I've done, usually in December, I set aside a day, which I know can be tricky to do, especially us that have kids, we have responsibilities and the holidays and all of that. But even just a day where either I can go away somewhere or I make everyone else go somewhere. And I have a lot of practices that we'll go over too in in this as we're talking, but gratitude practice. I like to look back through my calendar and remember the different things, even looking back through our photo album and being like, oh my gosh, that client was that year or that family thing that I did that was this year so like going back in little chunks through the things and then just making little thank you notes to myself like thank you for trying that thank you for deciding you wanted that and going for it I I I just write them down and I think as we go into a new year it can be really important too especially if you haven't done this before to look back and to start to come up with um some ideas of what some of the most important things are in our life, like some of those core values, some of those things that are really essential to who we are. And when we look back, it can become really clear. So I have some questions that can help people if you're wanting something really practical about how to go through this. I don't know if you wanted to. Yeah, sure. For sure. I I was going to say, do you still have, I know you at one time had a course on um, creating a vision board for the new year. Do you still have that? I do. I linked it to you in case you want to give it to people. Cause I was like, have a little template and stuff like that too. Oh, for Um, sure. We'll put that in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, of course. About those questions. Yeah. Okay. I think we, we all have different ideas of what's important to us. We all have things that like at the core of us are deeply important. And sometimes it's hard for us to figure those out. Or I experienced this as for a long time, I was really run by goals that were maybe a little bit more egocentric. I don't know if that's going to make sense, but I really wanted to be published in this one magazine, or I really wanted to hit this dollar amount in my business. And I really wanted someone to recognize me as something. And those things aren't bad at all, but I would, I hit them one after another and realized that I still felt sad after that. (laughs) Like they, they didn't fill me up as much as I thought they would. I thought there was some like magic revenue number where my life was going to get easier or, and to some extent, to some extent it does, like we'll talk about money in a second too, which obviously that can help make a lot of these things possible. But there there was often a disconnect. And it's because later on, I can look back now and be like, some of those goals weren't tied into things I actually really value as a person. And when I do anchor them in that, in these core values, they're so much more fulfilling and we can stay aligned a little bit better instead of like always chasing that next thing. Um, I don't know. Have you experienced that, Kim? Yes, I think the older I get and the more I'm in, the longer I'm in business, the more I realize that those those goals of money and for sure there was a lot of years where I think the basics weren't met with money. But once you can not worry about next month's bills, then like the big goals, I think they're they leave you they do leave you feeling oh well I'm never gonna feel like I made it, and that's I think. I always try to end this podcast with that question, like, how do you define success? And I think for me, like, that's where I am in my life is, oh, I, I think I better really start digging deep for what that really means. Yeah. So when you say core values, what 
what are you, what would you say your core values are? Totally. So mine, just to give an example, are like travel or adventure. Obviously I'm like, I really could do it endlessly and not get tired of it. Travel or adventure growth is one of mine. I love learning new things. I love challenging myself. So I really want to be fluent in French and I've said that for the last 10 years and haven't done it yet. Like I made some progress on Spanish, but I need to set those as something that's, hey, that makes you feel really good when you work on growing towards something. So I want to grow as a person and always be challenged. Connection is super important to me. To me, connection with clients, with family, with friends, that is super, super important. And I'll, one one of the things that for a while I did in my business was like, connection doesn't matter. It's more about the price tag or whatever. And that really discouraged me because that one is so, so, so core to who I am as a person. And it's not, maybe not for everybody or that can get connection in other places and be totally fine. For me, if I don't, if I don't feel connected or don't respect someone I'm working with, it just doesn't work. So I don't, I don't try to do that anymore. Peace is one for me and then freedom. So Freedom of time, freedom to say yes and no to different creative projects, free like financial freedom is important to me, but a lot of it comes back to time. Like I want to be able to decide where I put my time, who I spend my time with, that I can have a lot of time with my family. And so for a lot of people, like we probably connect, a lot of us that are listening to this podcast probably connect on at least one or two of those, right? Did any, do any of those feel like your core values, Kim? Definitely connection, freedom, those two for sure. Yeah. If you're like, hey, I don't actually know how to dig deep and figure these out. I think we can, it can feel really surface level when we just pop some of those words into our head. of, Oh yeah, definitely generosity or definitely this or whatever. Here's some questions that can help you figure it out if you're trying to dig deep. Because I do think our lives up to this point give us clues what we choose to do with our time, the things that really fill us up, like all of those are clues to help us hit those anchors in our life. So I always have people do these questions. In your personal life, think about an accomplishment you're really proud of and a time you felt really fulfilled. So there are two different questions. And and I know for a lot of us, we're like, do I have a personal life besides my business life? Anyway, so I had for an example for me, I was really sick in my 20s. I had an autoimmune disease and I was really stressed and becoming an adult was not easy. Getting married early was not easy. And I decided I wanted to run a marathon and I'd always, I'd never been athletic. I was never like good (laughs) at things like running. I was the choir kid and I trained and I, Kim, I ran the slowest marathon, probably like known to man. I cried at for the last 10 miles of it. It was, Mm. but you know what? I finished it and I like, am so proud of doing that because I did something I just didn't think I was capable of. I'll probably never do it again. It it just, I, I know that I felt so fulfilled by that because I challenged myself and I did something that I was growing towards and I set a goal and I stuck to it. You know what I mean? A time I felt really fulfilled, something I was really accomplished I mean, with the fulfillment, like when I've hosted dinner parties or I've had people over and you just have that butterfly feeling in your chest where, oh my gosh, if every day felt like this, I would be so happy or like sitting, watching a sunset on the sun with friends when you like stayed out to whatever. So anyway, some of those things write down. And if you can think about extras write them down too, because we're just collecting clues at this point. So those were just some examples of clues that I've written down in the past. And then you do the same thing for your business life, an accomplishment you're really proud of and a time you felt really fulfilled. And so write it down, Kim, what's something, what's a time you felt really fulfilled in your business life? Man, you put me on the spot, Kristen. (laughs) I know I did. I did not prep her for this at all. (laughs) Uh, As you're talking and in that, that question, as a question I'll answer, and then I want to put it back to you. I shot a lot for many years and the more indie grew and TMA grew, I haven't shot as much, hardly any really recently. And even though 
the I, I'm making more money. I'm not, I'm feeling not as fulfilled. Yeah. And isn't that funny? Because because for 15 to 20 years, it was like just like <clears throat> so many weddings, so many portraits. And I thought, oh, how am I gonna do this forever? And now that I'm to a point where I don't have to, oh man, like that filled me up in a way. It wasn't just a job. I'm realizing that now. And so I wondered that about you, like the more education, the more, I, I know you still shoot some as well, but does not shooting as much, does that leave you feeling, or are you, are you able to feed that creative need in other ways, like with travel and yeah, for so for business life, because it comes back to that connection, like times I felt really fulfilled in my business was I, I recognized was like the couple that you just like, like they cried hugging you at the end of the night. You felt mm-hmm. so connected and you like I did their whole weekend and I went up to their city to do their engagement session and they let me stay in their house and they cooked me food and and there's multiple of my clients that are like that. And so I, I've said this on this podcast before, I think like I got really burned out after 2020 and I took a year away stepping back and mm-hmm. I did a lot of this core values work. And I was like, what, which pieces did feel really good? Because the couple that I shot their wedding, the groom cussed me out as I was leaving, like that doesn't need to be in my life anymore. That doesn't need to be there. I don't need money in that much to put up with stuff like that. Right. But the couple that the couple that just became like family and then recommended me to their sister and then recommended me to their cousin who I'm in Paris shooting their cousin now like that that I think I could do forever. So I do think that can like when you do this exercise it can let you let go of the part of the stuff that doesn't feel good like the the bookings driven goal I don't need to prove to anyone or myself that I can shoot 20 weddings in a year I've let that go a long time ago but if I can shoot a few weddings a year like that like the couple I described I'm like that to me is so fulfilling and it's the Mm -hmm. same with my coaching and it's why my programs keep getting smaller instead of bigger (laughs) because I'm like I want to be able to work one-on-one with someone for me to be up in their business. And, and it's, again, it's five people. So I had a vision and I, now I'm rambling, but I had a vision a couple years ago too, of what would that, what does fulfillment look like in service business for me? And the picture I got was five people in my living room. It's not me on a huge stage. It's five people in my living room, like really talking about what matters and what's important to us and diving deep kind of like this. So yeah, I think that this can help us figure out what to say no to, what to let go of and how to grow forward in a more aligned way. And there's a lot of experimenting too, because I'm like, oh, I did that one thing and that did not feel so good. Or I let go of that one thing. I let go of shooting weddings or families and that didn't feel as good as I thought it would. I think we have to realize all of it is an experiment as we go anyways. Okay. So another thing that goes along with the end of the year is just being tired, maybe a little burnout. Um, do you have things that you do um, that you plan into the end of the year as far as rest and rejuvenation or advice for us on that? Yeah. Take care of take going care to Paris. Of- go to Paris. I I just think that like the burnout is telling us something. If we're at the end of the year and we're really feeling burned out. And I think that it's good that we go into this kind of season of reflection right after the busiest season for most photographers is because I think it's a great time to reflect on our prices and be like, if I was too busy, that means I need to raise some prices. And it can give us that energy and the stick to to stick to those like scary price raises too. Because we're like, I cannot do a fall like that again. So I think like on both of the things, taking care of ourselves, mind, body, spirit, I always think like, how can I take better care of my body? Do I need to be taking more walks? Do I need to set some kind of routine 
that feels good. And I'll be honest, I am not good at this, Kim. I am the queen of burn myself out and have to take a year off and then start all over again. I'm learning each year, like how to lessen that blow, but this is not something that I feel naturally good at either. So I think it's a good time to be like, okay, time to raise prices, time to evaluate what worked and what didn't. And, and like really figure out what some of those core values are so that we can, instead of getting scared and taking that booking that we know is not a right fit for us, it helps us stick to the thing that we know is going to be more important. And then I think also just breaking it down into process goals. I really love the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, because it's like, it's easy to set the light. I'm going to hit a hundred thousand this year, or I'm going to quit my full-time job this year, or it's easy for us to make those goals, but we often just beat ourselves up if we don't get there as fast as we think we should, or we don't set them in the first place because we don't want to be disappointed if we don't hit it. And I think turning it into more of a process goal of, I am going to record a podcast every single day or every single week. I'm going to put one out every week. Because that's something we can control. We can't control if we hit a million downloads, but we can control if we put one out every week, right? Or I'm going to pitch my work to one photo editor, art director a week. Or I'm going to raise my prices and send it out to three of my past clients and ask for referrals every week. So I always think this is a good time to break it into those kind of goals too, Because then we can actually keep ourselves accountable and be like, did I do the thing I said I was going to do? Did I stick to that process goal? Yeah, I think my encouragement is both to take care of yourself, but also turn it into something that isn't quite so big and conceptual. Break it down into, into the one thing you can commit to because we can't always control how or when things come to us, but we can control how we show up for the thing that we want to come in. You mentioned raising prices. So I think a lot of us think about that in the new year, reevaluating our pricing. You think that's a good time? Like I've heard people say um, it might be better to raise prices when you're busy versus the beginning of the year, sometimes slow. You have thoughts on that? I think anytime is a good time to raise your prices. <laughs> Y'all know this is my soapbox, but I, but again, not to just keep going back to the core values. I think when we raise our prices, but we don't have a clear idea of why we're doing it, it's much harder to stick to. And we have a lot more kind of like drama around it in our heads versus if like, I'll give you an example from my life. If I go through fall and I missed five soccer games for my son. And I cried two times staying up late editing. And there was just a lot of things that didn't fit into my vision of how I wanted to live my fall. I'm going to take that and that the value attached to that, which is connection and freedom. And I'm going to take those as the reason that I'm raising my prices. And so I think we can have some flexibility there too. Obviously, if we're struggling to pay our bills, then like do what you got to do. But I think that coming out of a really busy season like we are now is a great time because there's usually a really strong reason why we're doing it. And we can tie it back to that core value of like connections, the most important thing to me. So how can I let that happen more in the next year with my business? Hey, you're our money girl. So let's talk about raising prices. Any <laughs> practical tip, I guess. And and I think that raising prices goes along with standing out in a crowded market. Give me your thoughts on that or any tips. Yeah, for sure. Standing out is a big thing. I wonder what you think too, Kim, because I know we haven't talked about this recently of I think niching is going to be more and more of a thing, but maybe not in the same way that we've seen it before. I think when we can speak really directly to a client that shares our values or has a similar, like we can relate to their experience in some way, I think that is going to be really powerful because when things are crowded and when we're trying to stand out, 
in a, a sea of a lot of noise, not just other photographers, but just like, it's exhausting out there. Like the, the internet is loud. And so I think the more directly we can talk to a specific person, the easier it's going to be to find them. And I always use the example of dating because I also want to be a matchmaker. <laughs> Maybe in my other life, I'll be a matchmaker. But if a friend of mine was like, hey, I really want you to set me up with someone. And that's all they told me. How I would be like, I don't know what kind of person you like to date or age bracket or who your type is or what your values are or what you like doing. Whereas if I was like, hey, Kim, I really want, would really love to be set up with someone that loves to go surfing and that is an entrepreneur and that is open to a like avant-garde lifestyle and wants a bunch of kids. You know what I mean? Is the more specific we can be, the easier it is for someone to connect us with that person. And I think the same is true with business. And I think even when we think about niching, we're not being specific enough. We're like, I want to do weddings for creatives, or I want to be a, a luxury family photographer. And that's just not really specific enough or not speaking to someone's direct experience. Whereas if you're like, I specialize in working with families who have gone through divorces and are they're combining families because I like have experienced that myself or I know someone that has and I can really help navigate the different situations or I just think that there's so many different ways we can think about niching that we're not doing that'll help us stand out. So I do think with raising prices, getting even more specific about who we're talking to and what they value. And then I think also there's a lot of inner work that comes along with raising prices. We have to, we have to believe that what we're charging, we have to believe so deeply that what we're charging is worth it, that there's not this like disconnect of integrity in our body. And so some of the things that can be so helpful in that are like reframing what certain numbers are or finding things that cost the same amount as what we're charging for our photography. So you're like, hey, now I'm going to try to get my family photography to be an average of 3000 Find other things out there in the world that cost that amount of money and then tell yourself all the reasons why the thing you're offering and charging that amount for is worth so much more than that other thing. Like we're balancing out the value in our mind so that we like embody that number and are like, oh my gosh, yeah, there's no question that this is what I want to charge and I need to charge and that it's worth it. You've mentioned in a, in another recording that we did that we we forget that everyone is walking around with a $1,200 phone in their pocket. Yeah. Um, but we worry about charging for photography. So in a practical way, how do you reframe that for the client? So if you're, okay, I believe it, then what? I believe that everyone has a thousand dollar phone, so this is worth it. So then what? How do we yeah. communicate that? Yeah, I think it's hard to say, you obviously can't say that directly of the thousand dollar phone to the photos, but right. I think normalizing investing in yourself, normalizing, comparing our service with other luxury services that people are spending money on. And I think, I think with photography, a lot of times people feel, feel selfish for wanting to invest in themselves that way. So I think like any kind of marketing messaging or sales messaging around the timelessness of what they're investing in, the the worth of the self-actualization worth of helping you become even more aligned with who you're supposed to be. I think that there's so many ways to communicate that value. I think I've mentioned it before. There is an elements of value pyramid in the Harvard Business Review, they have this elements of value pyramid that can be so helpful when you're thinking about how to communicate the value of what you're offering. This could be saving time, saving stress, could be um, the value of something that's going to last a really long time. I think photography, especially, you're like, this is something you're going to pass down. You're helping your children 
be part of a bigger story and showing them. So I do think that there's a lot of education, even just in people's marketing messages around why it's so important and all the different um, pieces of value that we have as photographers. And then I think we can figure out how to add more. I know a lot of y'all do client wardrobes and hair and makeup. And so that would be taking the stress off of someone and making it easy and helping them feel pampered and, and all of those things. So that's, that's the reason why the iPhone can get away with charging that is because like iPhones make us money. iPhones connect us. iPhones feel cool. iPhone. What Mm -hmm. I mean is like tick so many of those boxes that we've all convinced ourselves that it's worth it. And I think you can make a really strong case for why it is worth it. And I think that's the same with photography too. We can't just think about what we're offering as a photo. We have to think about all the layers of what's going into um, helping people have a better marriage, a better family life, a better uh, story to tell. A like We just have to think through all of those things because all of it comes into play with the value. So you mentioned just uh, the world being so busy and marketing being so loud and the, the market being crowded, like what's, what do you think's coming, Kristen? Like I always, I guess, because I've been around for a while, like I've seen trends, I've seen, like, what do you think's next? I never fully know. I do feel like I, I like to pay attention to trends. I think that client experience is always going to be something timeless that can never, never run out. I, I've been doing this for 14 years too. And the yellow presets were really cool for a while. And then this was really cool. And the thing that is always going to stand the test of time is creating a really unique client experience and caring for people really well and keeping in touch with them. That's just an encouragement that I do think that there are some things that are going to keep being cool forever. I do wonder if people will be less, how do I say it? Not industry niche. Instead of only doing one type of photography, for example, they might do a lot of different types, but they're niched in a different way. They're still talking to the same person. I wonder if that might happen or if there'll be a lot more kind of experience driven things like where people want to learn about something or they want to combine it with travel that they're doing. Or I think some of those might be shorter term trends too, but I don't know. What do you think? What do you think is trending? I really don't know. We all open our inbox. There's a million emails offering us something. And and also I've seen the I've seen the consumer become better and better at photography as well. So mm-hmm. I just think probably the like you said, the experience and the connection with our clients being what matters because there's so many talented people now and so many easy way, pretty easy ways for our clients to people they didn't used to they didn't used to know how to make beautiful images or print them or make albums or my my fourth grader can do that now and so it's got to be something more like you said whether it's whether it's just the convenience the experience the connection the quality you've got to find some way to communicate your value to your people yeah Totally. Yeah. I do think the expectations are higher. And I think the reason, maybe the reason people are hiring a photographer is different. I'd say, especially for families, probably I'll see this more than weddings. I think the reason someone's hiring a family photographer is probably different than it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's not just to have that one photo on the wall anymore. It's how they felt when they're with you, how they felt together. Like it's a little bit of entertainment too, right? We're traveling now and I'm like paying attention to what I'll pay for. Like, what will I pay extra for? I'll pay Mm -hmm. extra for convenience. I'll pay extra for hotel rooms. Oh my gosh, Kim, I've become so bougie. I'll pay extra for like a hotel room, a hotel that goes above and beyond any day. Oh my gosh. It's when you can sleep somewhere nice. You know what I mean? Is like when, when something is just easy and it's really great then it's no question because doing the opposite is almost painful um, at this point too. Like 
staying in a hostel is painful for me at 35 years old. Whereas in my 20s, I was like, I'll sleep on your couch. Like, that's fine. And now I would pay five times as much to sleep in a nicer place. So I think similar things are happening in photography too. I do think that, and not just because I own Indie Print Co., but I do think there's going to be a trend back to printing. Mm -hmm. And because I think we're going to realize that, oh my gosh, like I did years of um, photo shoots with my family and I have nothing. And where is that disc? And what do I do with a disc? And I do think people are going to realize that they better print their images. And so that I think that photographers that offer that service and they have beautiful things to offer, I think that's going to stand out. I used to think when, when I started, it was just the studio photographer. And then there were very few digital photographers. And then there were so many photographers, but most people didn't have a studio and it was all lifestyle outdoor. And I felt a tug back to studio, beautiful portraiture. And now I'm seeing that more and more. Everything circles around, I think. So totally. And I think a encouragement, and I always try to keep this in my mind too, is it's totally okay to flow with some of the trends. But if you're doing that, also think about like, where's the air clearer? Like, where are people not doing something that maybe has less people that want it, but it like, there's not as many people trying to reach that crew either. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm always trying to balance both. So like, how do I a little bit ride this trend? And how do I also go where the air is a little clearer or to the clients that not everyone is talking to. And with weddings in Nashville, which is where I am early in my career, when I was trying to niche with weddings, everyone wanted to do the weddings of musicians and these really bohemian, fun, trendy weddings. And I was like, what if I actually just didn't do that? Although those sound fun and great. What if I talk to this group of people that's not really being talked to? Cause maybe people think that their wedding's boring or whatever, but I don't think it's boring. I think it's really cool. So sometimes I think that can be a helpful thing too, especially if you're still trying to figure out what your niche is or how to stand out is be like, who isn't really getting talked to constantly? Tell me, do you take a sabbatical (laughs) every year? I guess you would, you spread that out through your different trips or do you take a month off? I've done both. And I think sabbaticals are so good and we have such a privilege as running our own business and like bunching things like bunching our work together or playing into the natural ebb and flow of our business anyways especially if your work tends to be more seasonal it started I'm sure I've been inspired by lots of different people that have done sabbaticals but I think it started because I started realizing not a lot of people were hiring me in July in Tennessee, or I wasn't really wanting to shoot much in July because it was so hot and everyone was out of school and was on vacation. And I was sitting at home, like twiddling my thumbs and feeling like I was all of a sudden my business was about to burn down. I had so much drama around it in my head. And, and then I was like, wait a minute, what, what am I doing? Why am I sitting here wishing some, the phone would ring instead of planning around this? And my, I had a partner that was in the music industry and it was the same way in the music industry in December, there was no work. And so we had to start planning for December to not make any money and to have a bunch set aside for December. Cause in the music industry, you just were out of work. And so learning from that and running with it, um, I started taking July off at first. And then I started getting more and more intentional with it and trying to plan a month or two sometimes three every year to, to just do things differently. And as a, (laughs) I'm acknowledging my own like workaholism in general is my, that's my like standard mode of operating. Taking a break is not actually that easy for me to do. So I've evolved it into being like, I don't do any client work in certain months. And if I feel really creative and I want to play around with my Instagram or I want to record podcasts, like I'll do that. But I take off my direct work with client time so that I can focus on different ways of being creative. I can travel. I can spend time with my son. So this last summer I did June and July and it was awesome. We stopped our programs for two months 
We, I didn't take any like photo clients in those months. We did a study abroad and we traveled and it's interesting. It's almost like when you stop the flow of water, like when you stop the river in one place, the water just redirects somewhere else. So I think one of the most important things in addition to resting and like rejuvenating is maybe all your creative energy has been going down this one path for so long. You don't even know what else is possible. So when you close that path for a second, like I've at least found the water just flows down these paths I didn't realize. And I started feeling creative in these different avenues or felt really inspired with marketing where I hadn't felt inspired for a long time. So I think it's a really good practice to get into. Yeah, I've always wanted to do a month in the summer somewhere on the water. Just turn it all off. Maybe You I'll should do, do it this year, day. Kim. <laughs> 2024 is your sabbatical um, year. Okay. I'm going to make you hold me to that, <laughs> that in a trip somewhere. Honestly, I'll, we help people take sabbaticals too. And I'll be honest, it is, it can be very triggering, especially if you are used to working a lot or if you're like me and use work to distract you from dealing with things in your personal well, life or healing from trauma or whatever, right. it can, it can really be jarring to slow down for a second. So I'm that person on vacation. It takes me half the vacation just to unwind enough, which is so funny because I think one of the compliments I get often is you're so calm. You're so, (laughs) but I think someone has said you're a duck. I'm calm on the surface and I'm like paddling underneath. And yeah, it takes me a bit to wind down. And then I think I noticed that during COVID as well. You had all this time and it's, oh my gosh. Yeah. It just, it causes you to stop and think about things as well. Totally. Yeah. This, this is my third summer of being super intentional about a sabbatical and it was the th- third and I had done it before, but the third where I was like, email was shut off and my staff stopped working and programs were closed. And this year I was so proud of myself. It's one of the things I'm celebrating at the end of the year. I was a lady of leisure this summer, Kim. Like I sat by the pool. I enjoyed my summer. I wasn't worried about my business collapsing. Yeah, but it took me a couple of years to get there. And I think it takes practice like a lot of other things. (laughs) Okay, last thing that I'm going to let you go. So I said up front, you're our marketing pricing go-to guru. If Kristen (laughs) Sweeting was going to set up shop next year as a motherhood family photographer, you're going to niche down and Mm -hmm. do what we do. (laughs) Seeing the industry, seeing it from the outside a little bit, what would you do? How would you set yourself apart? Hmm. Yeah, I so admire what y'all do. I think it's amazing and so stunning and so needed. I think if I was doing it, I would I would do a lot of the things that y'all do. I think the client wardrobe, like speaking, I would want to pick out specific pieces for each client, build that into my price. I would charge luxury prices for portraits and I would market it more as like a transformational experience in addition to being photos. Yeah, I think I would have it just be very high touch, very personal, and for people to leave feeling like they had been so well taken care of. Expand on transformational experience. How would you do that? Mm. I So I've been doing some more boudoir under the radar. And when I've done it the last few years, this is what I would want to build out if I was really niching to motherhood or to this kind of photography is it's at a location And it involves, it's like a personal retreat, but also with photography involved. So there's hair and makeup, but there's also like these stunning locations. There's like intentional questions along the way and conversations that are a little bit personal development wise. So it's almost like a a business retreat or a personal retreat and a photo shoot at the same time. Mm. It's, It's very conceptual at this point, but I did do two like this year and it was so special. And I had one client, I, I did not charge enough for it. I, but she was like, I would have paid 20,000 for that. And I'm like, 
there is a market for a personal retreat. So if anyone wants to take that and run with it, go for it because Love that. I can't right now, but yes, I think, yeah, experience-based um, and really helping guide someone along some of these like life coachy kind of things as we're doing photography. That's what I love. See, that, that's a, I can definitely see that one of the things we talked about coming in the future, like expanding it to be more, oh, that sounds corny, but <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like, it was so fun. I took, took a lady to loom and we did a whole, stayed in this beautiful place and had someone really pamper her and spoil her. And we all know, right? Because a lot of us listening to this are parents. It's so easy to fall to the bottom of the list. And I think that's one thing that we all do as photographers is show people how valuable they are and show them in really like clear ways too. Not just in showing them the photos and mirroring back to them their value, but in how we treat them and how we, yeah, cher- help them feel cherished. I think it's so important to remind people that they're that valuable. You're so smart, Kristen. Thank you for doing this. I always love talking to you. Thanks for having me. I always love talking to you. Well, tell everybody where they can find you. So you can find me on Instagram at Kristen Sweeting or at the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. And I think we're linking you with our little vision free workshop or vision board templates, if that is something that piqued your interest too. So thank you so much for having me. All right. Enjoy Paris. I'm jealous a little bit. (laughs) Come with me next time, Kim. You have to fly here though. (laughs) I would say Paris would be one of the places I would definitely want to go. Yeah. Okay. Especially with you. You'd be a great 2024, Kim. 2024 going to think about it. (laughs) Bye, Kristen. Bye. That was an episode worth noting. I hope you, the listener, jotted down the notes from this podcast interview. Thank you, Kristen, so much for sharing your knowledge with us and giving us actionable steps to take in order to make this next year the best year yet. If you're looking for a way to go ahead and set up your photography business for immense success in the new year, I highly recommend taking advantage of our free course, How to Market to Fill Your Calendar. Simply go to the motherhoodanthology.com and click on learn. There you'll find that free course and several other courses to enjoy at the Motherhood Anthology. At the Motherhood Anthology, we believe there's enough success for everyone. So we hope you'll take this podcast episode and our free education and head into the new year with renewed passion and big goals. We have complete faith that you can achieve all that you've ever dreamed of with hard work and consistency. So Steve Jobs once stated, if you're working on something that you really care about, You don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. So from our lens to yours, until next time, friends.